Welcome to the Psychology World Podcast. I'm Connor Whiteley, bringing you with psychology news, articles and other interesting psychology related articles. You where I can find the podcast notes and more interesting psychology related things and you can get your free 8 psychology book box set at connorwhiteley.net. Now let's get on to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 102 of the Psychology World Podcast with me, Connor Wiley, and today's episode is on the headspace of depression. So this is a really interesting episode that when I first heard about it or when I first read the article that inspired today's episode, I was like, really? This cannot be right. Or this is a really new way of thinking about it. This is a great episode. I really enjoyed it and it really got me thinking. So hopefully this will be quite thought-provoking for you as well. So I definitely do recommend today's episode. And it is Friday, the 16th of July 2021 as I record this. So moving on to the psychology news section. We're going to be reading from the British Psychological Society Research Digest. And there's some very true and interesting ones here today. Children who enjoy school age 6 tend to get better grades 10 years later. Multiple factors influence how we perform educationally, the way we're taught, our particular needs and how they're met, our parents and our socio-economic background, to name a few. Gaps in attainment can start from very early on. Some children have already fallen behind before the age of seven. But what about how much we enjoy school? A new study in NPJ, Science of Learning, looks at this relatively under-explored factor and the team finds that enjoyment at the age of six has a significant impact on achievement, which was visible even um, years later when the participants took their GCSEs. And the GCSEs are the qualifications that, that you get here in the UK at age 16. Well, at least in England. I think Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, they have their own qualifications. And there are two things that I will actually want to point out in this psychology news um, section. So the first one is, is that this really does show that if we enjoy something, we're going to be a lot better at it. So if you want to excel in something, then you've got to enjoy it. And I think I mentioned this in, co- in one of my cognitive psychology books. It's either the first or the second edition, or maybe the third <laughs> one of them, is that it's might important to fake it until you make it. And this is to do with your intellectual engagement because your engagement helps you remember stuff. So this is what's probably happened here. Though. So it's really important to enjoy stuff. But the second thing that I want to mention is, is that if something is under explored, then it's important to explore it. When it comes to human behaviour, I really believe that nothing should be under-explored. Everything needs to be explored because I tend to find that it's the under-explored stuff that are really important. And and everything started as I've been under-explored or not at all explored and until someone decided it. And now, yes, and now while we've got tons of these massive major theories that have developed from research. So I have no idea like if you're a like psychology student or if you work in a research, explore stuff, take your interest where they lead you. And so, yes, and like this goes for everyone. Just do what you love and just explore stuff. You never know what you might find. So the next one is, why do some people without mental health conditions, I'm going to say, or difficulties, not what the article says, um, experience hallucinations? Replication studies cast doubts on our previous theories. Oh, this should be interesting. Hallucinations are a common symptom of schizophrenia and related conditions, but mentally well people experience them too. In fact, it works suggests that 67% of the general population hear voices that don't exist. 
However, exactly what predisposes um, well people to experience them has not been clear. Now, a major new study of 1,394 people native to 46 different countries provides support for two hypotheses from earlier smaller studies, namely that a history of uh, childhood abuse and a propensity to hear non-existent speech amongst background noise are both associated with experiencing hallucinations, but does not support three others. Open a quote. In terms of reproducibility, these are results that may be a cause for concern in hallucinations research and a cognitive and a clinical psychology more broadly. Close a quote. Vice the team in their paper in Psychological Science in firming up a, a few ideas. The work does, though, help to clarify what aspects of cognition as well as past experience are and are not linked to being more prone to hallucinations. So this, I think, is extremely interesting, though, and I'm actually going to completely overlook some of the language that they use, like mentally well people, even though I think about it now. And I, and I think it's one of those terms where it might not be the best because, of course, mentally well is actually a link to mental illness. But, of course, it's bad to think about mental health as an illness because because they're mental health conditions, they're not an illness that you can't necessarily cure them necessarily and then I'm not going to open that can of worms in this short psychology news section but but I don't think that research is needed on this because hallucinations we always associate them with a being well with a mental health condition but this suggests that they actually aren't so so I think this is really interesting and something else that this does show though is that if 67% of them of a mentally well people can actually have them, then it doesn't mean that they're necessarily a bad thing. And I think that it'd be very interesting if we apply to this to mental health conditions, because you could potentially argue that the hallucinations aren't necessarily the bad thing or the negative outcome with these conditions. Is that what happens because of the hallucinations? So that's just like something to think about. And then the last one is the editor's pick. A growing tendency to chunk of experiences could explain why life speeds up. Okay. Open quote. Like a ball rolling down a hill, time often seems to pick up momentum, going faster and faster as we get older. Close a quote. Writes the authors of a 2017 paper in Self and Identity that aims to explain the reasons for the phenomenon. Understand it properly and it might be possible to stop it because as the team also notes, open quote, perceiving life as rapidly slipping away is psychologically harmful, unpleasant, demotivating and possibly even hostile to the sense that life is meaningful. Close a quote. This I think is wow because because if you think about it and I'm young. It does sort of seem though like um, our childhood, our childhood did a flyby, and this idea of a chunking could definitely explain it. So that's a really good point, and actually quite interesting. So that's enough psychology news section. So let's move on to the personal update. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's going to be fun. <laughs> So, so we're moving on to the personal update. So much life stuff has happened this week. There were, for example, like me and my family, we're now self-isolating because my brother tested positive for COVID. So we're all like self-isolating, which is a fine at the moment because it's only been like three days, but we've got another week. And then we're allowed to go out into the world again. <laughs> yeah, but like we're doing like tests um, every other day. Yeah, so to really make sure that we look okay. 
and I'll be staying away from my brother's life. That's all fine. I should be fine. Nothing bad should happen. Even though if you're in the UK, then you know, so then you know the news is, I guess, particularly bad about COVID. But we're not nervous. <laughs> We're fine, we're fine now, but I'm moving on to more positive stuff. So uh, this week, in terms of like psychology, so tonight I would finish my occult psychology research, so that I'm really, really looking uh, looking forward to like writing that book and like getting it out, because coat psychology is just, wow, it's so interesting. And come on, who does not love coats? They're interesting, they're weird, they're nothing you would ever want to be in a in. But it's just interesting to learn about and read. And yeah, and they make for great entertainment in a fiction. <laughs> yeah, so very, very interesting. I really am looking forward to it. So uh, that book should come out in January, along with like some other books that I've got in the pipeline. But I really am in enjoying it. And then in terms of psychology, there's not a lot else that I've actually been doing because I've mainly been focusing on fiction. And also some other like fiction-related projects, well, projects because I yeah because I like did a Kickstarter the other week. So that's all about like um crowdfunding. But I found out yesterday my university results, which I wasn't supposed to get to on Monday. Well, so thankfully I have passed, and I will be doing my placement year in September, which I was really shocked about. I was really surprised with, but I think I'm still processing it because I was because I was simply like so shocked. But I am like, looking forward to it, and I will keep you um updated because it should be really really interesting and uh, really good granted though i did need to do a lot of a uh, planning yesterday uh, well yesterday uh, well, simply because a placement is basically like a full-time job uh, and i needed to think right how do i keep this a uh, podcast going and a uh, tons of other like business related things so the podcast will still be going on i will make sure of that I, yeah, basically, I'm, yeah, basically, nothing is stopping me from producing this podcast every week, simply because I love it, I find it so useful, and just, I like, talking to all of you each week is really nice for me, and also, though, like, I've had some great um, comments, like, this week, so it's really nice to have this two-way interaction, and, yeah, and for my sanity, I need a podcast. <laughs> yeah, so what I'm mainly going to be doing is I'm just going to be tons of... Yes, I'm going to be like creating the content beforehand and just like scheduling it just so I just, yeah, just so I can do a quick psychology news section and a personal update just so there will definitely be a, a podcast episode for you all on the Monday. So nothing should change. Nothing should change in that sense. <laughs> And thank you all of you for your comments and shares on social media, including Melissa Rapport on Twitter, who said, Nice overview of these three topics. The gut-brain axis, the connection between your gut and sleep, the havoc that alcohol might be playing on your gut. And then she retweeted it to her followers. So I'm really pleased with that. Thank you, Melissa. And thank you, everyone else who like commented, retweeted, and also emailed me personally. I always love to hear from um, all of you. So if you want to share your thoughts and feelings on today's episode you can always email me connorwhitely connorwhitely.net you can always leave a comment on the show notes at connorwhitely.net forward slash podcast and you can always tweet me on twitter at sci-fi whitely and you can actually comment on facebook now because i got facebook a few uh, yeah because i got a facebook page a few weeks ago so that is connorwhitely psychology author yeah that's the name of the uh, um facebook page <laughs> and today's episode has been sponsored by a normal psychology the causes and the treatments of a depression anxiety and more a third edition so if you're interested in clinical psychology and mental health conditions this is an absolutely brilliant book because you get to learn so much about 
depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions in including you know, schizophrenia, which links back to hallucinations, as we spoke about in a psychology news section. So this book goes into much great depth about this, a brilliant topic because it looks at it from a biological, cognitive and a social and a social standpoint so it does go into tons of detail but it's all explained in a really fun, easy to answer way. I cannot recommend this a great book enough. So that's Abnormal Psychology, The Causes and Treatments of Depression, Anxiety and More, third edition. Available on all major ebook retailers and you can get the payback, hardback and large print versions from Amazon, your local books or your local library if you requested. And if you want to buy the ebook directly from me, then you can payhip.com forward slash Connor Whiteley. So let's move on to the content part of today's episode. So in today's episode, we are talking about the headspace where depression lives. I think this is a very, very interesting way to think about depression. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, and if you've read my books, then we've already spoken about how depression affects how we think, behave, feel, and think. And this is mainly explained by Beck's theory of depression with the cognitive triad, which to sum up and really oversimplify, it means that depression affects how we see the self, the world, and, and the future. And then I've also spoken on another podcast before about the damaging impact of depression and other mental health conditions that can have on the people. For example, like depressed people can sometimes feel like they don't, they just can't get out of bed in the mornings. And then you also have the damage that it does to friendships, relationships with with a family, and then you've also got the family worry though. So there's a lot of other complex problems that depression can cause there. But if we focus on the idea of headspace in depression, then we can see that depression lives in between us, as in the self, and others, which I thought was a really interesting way to look at it, because the doctor... Jeffrey S. Nindid notes, notes uh, from his years of experience that there are three places or headspaces where depression lives, meaning when depression finds this headspace, then it can take root. And one of my favourite things about this idea is that if it's true, then this can really help us to maintain our mental health so we can deny depression the headspace to grow. And just the simple personification of depression, I think, is actually quite funny. And I don't know, like there's something quite hopeful, there's something quite weird about this idea, but it's very true and I do quite like this. And we can sort of infer from my books and also the wider literature that mental health conditions are sort of like a plant because they grow and develop over time until someone has a diagnosable mental health condition. So now we're going to look at these three head spaces where depression lives. So the first one is between our ears. And this is a great place to start because this is the most obvious head head space because this is what cognitive behavioural therapy is based on because depression, it needs to change in our automatic thoughts to become more negative. So it makes sense for depression and depression to live there in our minds. So it's the job of cognitive behavioural therapy to help the client change their automatic thoughts to become more positive and this also happens through behavioural activation. So but the second head space is between ourselves and others. And I fully, I fully admit this is just sounds weird at first, but this is really critical and also quite self-fulfilling because the reason why this headspace is critical to bear in mind is because a depression can fill the gap between us and our friends and family because depression can make people feel like they don't want to go out and socialise, leading to depressed people to make excuses and other behaviours to prevent them from 
from seniors. But the problem with this is that this leads to the depressed person and to get into a difficult situation. Because of this depression can lead to the person to start isolating themselves. Then this social isolation can lead to the person to feel even worse about themselves. So this results in feasing the depression and it leads to a vicious cycle of depression. Meaning it's important for depressed people to know it's okay to go out and not to feel 100%. Even if you just sit in the corner or edge of the table with your friends, that's better than nothing and you'll still be with other people. And you can socialise and this starves off social isolation. And then another tip, though, is that people love talking about themselves. I'm not sure I do, but I'm, yeah, but I'm a weird like that. So even if the depressed person just asks their questions to their friends, for example, what's your favourite film? Have you done anything good lately? Or like, have you seen anything good lately? Then this is going to be great for the friendship because it, yes, because you're showing an interest in the other person and the depressed person isn't having to do anything else. So that can sort of make it seem a bit more manageable. And then at the last head space where depression can live is within ourselves. And as you know, I always try and avoid philosophy and pop psychology. They're the two areas where I try and avoid like the plague on this podcast. But sometimes philosophy is actually quite good because I'll admit there are times when it's useful and it's actually supported by psychology. So this is not so much philosophy, but it is more psychology. (laughs) So in this case, both of these fields emphasise the importance of having a meaningful and and a purposeful life because depression fills these holes in a person's life. Therefore, it's important for people to to have a job that gives them a sense of purpose, enjoyment, and accomplishment. This is also yes, but this also applies to friends and family because having strong social bonds helps too. Too though, but what you can also do is you can perhaps pursue a wider community goal, for example, like doing things for charity and help change lives for the better that way. Overall, in this head space, having a purpose and having a meaningful life can help kill off a depression. There, so for example, like I like to, yeah, but like I like to think that I have a meaningful life because of this podcast and also like my books and also like talking to people though, and also like the wonderful emails that I get from all of you and also like some of the other readers who don't listen to the podcast. So, yes, yeah, so that's how I like to think that I starve off the depression. <laughs> well, I like to think so. So I really hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and I really hope that you learn something. If you know someone who would enjoy today's episode, then please share it with them. I'm always really grateful when you wonderful people help help spread the word about the podcast. And also though, please check out Abnormal Psychology, the causes and treatments of depression, anxiety and more. For addition, available from all major ebook retailers and you can order the payback, hardback and large print versions from Amazon or your local bookstore. So have a great day everyone and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to see the show notes, then please go to connorwhitesley.net. And if you want a free Ada book psychology box set, then please go to connorwhitesley.net. Have a great day and I'll see you next time.